0: You're listening to The Middle of Nowhere. What's up? Welcome to episode one, take three of The Middle of Nowhere podcast. We are two Midwesterners. I'm Kyle and i'm river we are going to each week bring you one topic for your listening pleasure that we find interesting because what else is there to do in the midwest besides look at the internet and see what we can find today we're gonna do rock paper scissors to determine who goes first and hopefully i win because i really like what i brought ready rock paper scissors shoot
1: oh Oh, shit! i figured out your strategy and i don't know why it's taking me this long because we've used rock paper scissors to determine many things and you always choose rock and i always choose scissors so i I don't know i don't know why it took me literally six years to figure out that you always do rock first
0: it did take you quite a while and i i unfortunately right here live on air you've just blasted my entire strategy
1: boom it only took six years
0: six years Okay, well, I guess you get to go first today.
1: Boom diggity, let's go. Let's go. So, you've probably heard of Centralia, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, yes or no? Maybe. Well, I'm about to jog your memory. It's the um, real town that Silent Hill is based off of.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, guess what? What? We're not covering that today.
0: Oh, Okay,
1: (laughs) we're covering another lesser known ghost town of Pitcher, Oklahoma. Ever heard of that?
0: Pitcher? I hardly knew her. (laughs) And that's my joke quota for the day.
1: So the city was founded in 1913 and workers were drilling a hole. I really don't know for what. That's just what the research said. Just Just a big hole. Digging a hole. And they discovered an abundance of lead and zinc. Ooh, lead, zinc. Ooh, okay, sure. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. Uh quickly a mining company brought thousands of workers to the area in honor of O. S. Pitcher, the owner of Pitcher Lead Company, the city of Pitcher, was born. Burp, burp, burp. Uh, Pitcher became the major national center of lead and zinc mining uh, at the heart of the Tri-State Mining District. So it was a thriving town uh, at this time, reporting $20 billion worth of ore mined between 1917 and 1947, which in today's U.S. currency is $300 billion. $300
0: billion. So they're killing it. In 1917.
1: Well, two twenty billion in nineteen seventeen. So that's crazy in itself.
0: Holy smokes. Like holy
1: shit. I mean, granted, that's a whole forty years, but in that during that time, Still, that amount of money was that's a more lot. money
0: than I'll make in forty years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> billion with a B. The pitcher uh, district produced more than fifty percent of the lead and zinc metal used during the First World War. 50%. 50%? Yes. Oh. They were booming like crazy. So, obviously, people were flocking to the area. Uh, more than 14,000 miners worked at its height, and another 4,000 worked in mining services. So, as you can see, painting a picture of a town who's looking like they're going to really thrive for many years to come. Yeah. So the question is, how did this thriving town become known as America's most toxic ghost town? Whoa, whoa,
0: <laughs> that's a <laughs> talk about left turn. Holy shit!
1: Skirt, der, der, der. And now we're in America's most toxic ghost town.
0: The founding headquarters of Twitter, huh? You know, the <laughs> toxic Twitter.
1: Oh, hot take. So in 2020, we all know lead equals bad. It's pretty much for sure a no-no. Anybody who's anybody, anybody, everybody knows that. I'm sure you've already guessed that toxic has something to do with it. The toxicity of lead. Maybe. Um, And you'd be right about that. As pitcher's population swelled, so did toxic piles of chat, a sand-like mining byproduct. Chat? Chat. Chat. For years, this had a really serious impact on the environment and on the people that lived in the area.
0: I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah.
1: Um, But turns out they didn't know at all. They
0: just didn't know?
1: No. And it gets worse. (laughs) Wow. So because they were unaware of the risks, children would ride up and down the sand mounds on bicycles the toxic sand entering their lungs and filling the air oh my god parents would even use the chat to fill their child's sandboxes no yeah they're just
0: swimming in toxic
1: yeah they are damn when mining stopped in 1967 the damage was done and i mean it was done Wow. and they still didn't know
0: Dude, Studio Cat's so upset about that, he turned around to stop looking at us in his cat tower, and he's showing us his ass.
1: The groundwater was contaminated with ludicrous levels of lead, and the eroded soil posed a serious risk for sinkholes and cave-ins. But residents continued their lives in Pitcher as if nothing was amiss.
0: Because they didn't know.
1: No, they are Man, that
0: blows my mind. The fact that they they just filled the sandboxes with this really toxic thing.
1: They're like, go, children. Go, little Timmy. Suck the sand in your lungs.
0: Suck the sand. (laughs) Suck that sand, little Timmy. (laughs) Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Uh, It gets worse. In case It
0: gets worse than little Timmy sucking the sand.
1: Yeah, in case you thought it was going to get better. It it doesn't. It gets worse. So while all of this is going on, children were swimming in the creeks that ran red. They thought their skin was red from sunburn, but it was actually chemical burns. Wait, holy, what? What? (laughs) And here's a quote from Karen Harvey, who lived in Pitcher from 1960 to 2002. We'd go swimming in them, and our hair would turn orange, and it wouldn't wash out. At age 18, she underwent corrective surgery due to bone growth in her ears. What? Yes. She has an IQ of 65 and is dyslexic. She says, I don't know if it has something to do with it or not. I'm just figuring it out as I get older. In the 1980s, Pitcher was declared a Superfund site. A Superfund site is a polluted location that requires long-term response to clean up hazardous materials and contaminants. Even after this declaration by the EPA, they just didn't realize that the dust was the issue. They still didn't know in the 80s that the dust, the chat, was the problem. My
0: God. I love how they call it a Superfund site
1: yeah I was kind of super
0: fun stay away
1: (laughs) not super fun super fun
0: oh I I heard super I was like that's like saying an amusement park is a place you shouldn't go that's a super fun place but don't go there that's how I took that
1: (laughs) could you imagine the government being like all right this is a super fun place So even after this declaration, the government wasn't removing the toxic chat piles, which was one of the biggest problems. Obviously, the water quality and, you know, dyeing children's hair orange uh, was also a problem, but the chat was an even bigger problem. Every time these people were stepping outside of their houses, they were being exposed to this toxic chat. Um, All they did was pave over wells, and they studied the groundwater at this time. That's it.
0: <laughs> People are dying. Let's pave over them wells. Put a, little, <laughs> put a little concrete in it. That'll solve the problem.
1: Residents were still unaware of the poisoning taking place, but it changed finally in the 1990s when a school counselor learned of the link between lead and learning disabilities. The entire school of pitchers sat in the middle of a literal toxic wasteland and most were unaware that 46% of the students tested had unsafe levels of lead in their blood. Oh
0: my God, nearly
1: half. Yes. Results showed that students had 11 times the state average of lead in their system.
0: 11 times? Yes. Wow.
1: They were not doing well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'd say not.
1: For years... People were confronted with a series of problems that, in retrospect, indicated the severity of the pollution. The school tests in the region were less than the rest of the country, and it seemed more people got sick in Pitcher than anywhere else in Oklahoma. Could it
0: be the toxic dirt?
1: Could it be? Could it be? Finally, the EPA ordered the first chat reduction measure in the mid-1990s. Crews took the top layer, which was 6 to 10 inches of soil, from residents' yards. So in this entire town, they took 6 to 10 inches of soil off the top. So basically just like skimming it. They took a skim.
0: It's like 2% dirt (laughs) instead of 2% milk.
1: (laughs) And this cost, in 1990, $140 million. But it wasn't enough. After all, the entire school was built on an enormous chat dump. A 2004 study showed disease rates were 20 to 30% higher than the average in the tri state mining area.
0: Holy shit.
1: Yeah. And chronic lung conditions were guess how many times higher? 12. 2,000. I'd
0: say I was a little off. (laughs)
1: 2,000 times higher. The sports teams from the high schools in nearby cities no longer played in or with pitcher teams because of the safety concerns.
0: Imagine your chat being so toxic, no one wants to hang out with you anymore.
1: So in 2005, the government began a buyout at $55 per square foot. It was taken by some residents, but other stubborn residents stayed.
0: Dude, $55 a square foot. You better take that fucking deal. That's a great deal.
1: But it's like the same phenomena with very serious hurricanes, right? Some people will just stay because they're stubborn.
0: Yeah, us Midwesterners don't know anything about being stubborn. I tell you what, though. You'll never catch me living in freaking hurricane area government be like yeah we'll pay you a bunch to leave like yes please deuces take me to the midwest where nothing bad ever happens take me
1: down to the midwest city where the corn is tall and the girls are okay (laughs) won't you take me to the midwest girl (laughs) OK, so in 2006, inspectors found that nine of 10 buildings in the town could fall into the ground into abandoned mines at any time. <laughs> so
0: on top of. OK, I just got a recap. This because is like this Mad is Max. Insane. Yes. Like I got a recap because. OK, so the ground is toxic as fuck. It's making everyone sick and dead and dumb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, <laughs> that is the perfect synopsis. Correct. Yeah. And
0: on top of all of that, they took a foot away, a foot of dirt away from everyone's yard, so everyone just has like a foot deep hole in the front yard. And it didn't
1: do anything. And it
0: didn't do anything. And then on top of all of that, your house could just fall into the ground at any moment. At any moment. The whole entire town. Nine of hole.
1: ten. Nine of ten. The
0: whole entire town's a giant sinkhole. Yes. I think Silent Hill could learn a thing or two from this town.
1: Yeah, seriously. So, in 2008, 150 homes were destroyed in a deadly tornado. Whoa, it just gets worse.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Uh, This caused 175 mile-per-hour winds, churning up the chat left behind.
0: You know what that tornado was named? Timmy. Sucking up all that chat.
1: (laughs) Oh my god
0: Suck up that chat Timmy He came back As an adult <laughs>
1: Full circle Most of the Remaining residents Had to relocate After this Devastating tornado So finally Some more stubborn Thank People god. were like You know what This place does Kind of Fucking suck <laughs> uh, The following year In 2009 The last High school Class of pitcher Graduated with Only Five people Eleven students Ah oh, it's close To that time and police and local governments were dissolved. Pitcher was no longer considered an official town.
0: Damn.
1: But people still lived there. Because of course they did. Of course they did. Story ran by Wired in 2010 reported most of the city was condemned, burned, or ransacked. One resident caught an indie film company in a deserted chapel shooting a porn.
0: Nice. <laughs> nice. No! <laughs> if you're going to do anything in picture, it should be shooting a porn. That's like either a porn or a post apocalyptic movie. Those are the only two things acceptable in picture at this point.
1: I believe I have a picture of the chapel where the porn was shot. So if you'd like to see that, check out our social media. At this time, the population was just 20. People traded goods or made special outings for uncontaminated supplies in nearby towns. They, even, they had
0: to go they had to go out of town to get supply. Like, I'm going on a supply run. <laughs> yes. Hopefully I'll make it back. <laughs>
1: it's it's so much reminding me oh of Mad god. Max. That's and it, crazy. It gets more Mad Max. Just wait. Just oh wait. my
0: god, when does it end?
1: <laughs> they even turned one of the chat piles into a range for shooting, and on another hill they ran ATVs.
0: So this is just a redneck paradise at this point.
1: Yes, because the people at this point called themselves chat rats. Because
0: of course they did. (laughs) Because of course they did.
1: When buyouts ceased in 2011, the federal government sold the extensively toxic land back to... Guess who they would sell something that was shitty back to? The
0: chat rats.
1: The native tribe of the area, oh, the Quapaw. That's very shitty. The Quapaw were the first tribe to manage a Superfund site. However, the chat itself was owned by the federal government, which is... Weird twist.
0: So take the chat away, federal government.
1: Well, meaning that the benefits of its sale would benefit the government, not the Quapaw tribe.
0: Because of course it would. Because
1: of course they would do that. After removing more chat, the government sold the sand as a reinforcing agent to asphalt and paving companies. Thankfully, the Quapaw tribe was later allowed to benefit from the sale of the chat, and the EPA granted the Quapaw in 2017 uh, $4.9 million.
0: Well, there you go. That's something, I guess. That's
1: something. This part's sad, Kyle. Even sadder than anything else in this story. Are you ready? I guess. Saddest of all, the burger basket. A business which was proudly proclaimed as the last place in pitcher. it was demolished in 2011 the burger basket r.i.p the burger
0: basket you will forever not be missed because i've never been there
1: toxic boigas sold here at the burger basket
0: yeah like what could be their slogan like welcome to the burger basket home of the toxic their, you slogan, want
1: <laughs> their slogan was literally the last place in pitcher. That's so stupid. <laughs> that that was their slogan. You want
0: to come get your burgers at the Burger Basket? We got a chat rat special, two for one. Free, <laughs> bu- free bucket of toxic sand with every purchase. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for your child's sandbox. In 2014, the former city of Pitcher was home to just 10 people, and they had no fresh burgers.
0: So Gotta sad. have them fresh burgers.
1: So sad. The government spent three hundred and one million dollars on demolishing and cleaning up during this time with another one hundred and seventy eight million for digging new wells and the establishment of a water treatment facility. See,
0: but why, though? I know. Just build a fucking wall around the town. And be like, look, you guys want to live there. Go right ahead. We don't give a fuck. And then spend that one hundred and seventy five million dollars somewhere fucking else. It's so crazy. Maybe put fucking clean water in Flint.
1: <laughs> yeah. No kidding.
0: There's 10 people there. Why are you spending over $400 million a year?
1: (laughs) I I was thinking the same thing during my research. Despite the efforts made on June 9th, 2015, the last inhabitant of pitcher, Gary Litterman, a 60-year-old pharmacist, died from a sudden illness. Probably all that lead and arsenic.
0: I got to tell you, hot take, Gary wasn't a pharmacist. There's nothing in pitcher to pharmacize. What's Gary pharmacizing? Is pharmacizing a word? I don't know, but now it is. Like wh- he, he was sixty-year-old Gary, the chat rat. He's not a pharmacist. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a he's not a pharmacist. There's there's not even a burger basket.
1: Well, he was like that guy that like wandered around pitcher and like opened his trench coat and he had like, yeah. He was
0: pills. like, "You want a horse tranquilizer? I got a <laughs> horse tranquilizer. My name's Gary. I'm a pharmacist,
1: Gary Litterman. So at this time. In 2015, the town's population was finally zero, as it should have been many moons ago. I mean,
0: yeah, it should have been.
1: (laughs) There are still an estimated 30 million cubic yards of chat and pitcher today.
0: Build a wall, build a wall around the fucking chat.
1: The fine dust still swirling in the air on windy days. At least no one's there to breathe it in. But according to QuirkyTravelGuy.com, you can still visit the town just as he did. As of the year 2020, some side roads are closed due to chat and sinkholes, of course. (laughs) But the main road that runs through the community still exists. And you can still take the road and it'll take you into Kansas. So I'd like to thank OKFrontline.com, Wikipedia, WideOpenCountry.com, five news online and a special thanks to timeline.com and an article by stephanie buck that was especially helpful
0: special thanks well that was terrible <laughs> thank you <laughs> it was good but that's it that sucked uh that was a, a like a terrible uh like uh, happen yes and I, we should I know, learn you from did, it today you did good situation bad you good situation bad that's what i was trying to say
1: lead bad me good <laughs>
0: lead bad me good um yeah do you, are do you, you want to move to pitcher and be a chat rat
1: I do not want to I
0: kind of want to move, move to pitcher and be a chat rat imagine getting like a tattoo right like you get like chat on one forearm and rat on another and like when you put them up you're like chat rat
1: I would imagine that the people that were calling themselves chat rat would love that
0: probably <laughs> You're listening to the middle of nowhere.
1: So now that we are sufficiently saddened by pitcher, what do you have for me, sir?
0: Well, we're going to get a little bit spooky. A little bit spooky.
1: Ooh, not too spooky.
0: I'm going to be honest. You really, you really came out the gate strong with that one. You did a lot of research. Uh, you said something about your script was five pages. Yes. For all that, I don't even have a script. So,
1: because <laughs> you're so smart,
0: no, I'm not smart. I just my topic is very you don't need one, I because it's more of a discussion. I'm not really telling a story, it's more of I'm gonna present you with something and I'm gonna frame it, but then we're gonna talk about what we think about
1: it. Okay, this sounds interesting. It's
0: gonna be fun, it's gonna be fun. So, today I want to talk about. The first recorded UFO sighting in American history. European American history.
1: Ooh.
0: This comes from
1: 1639.
0: Wow. A long ass time ago. What's up, Willie Billy? Yes, sir. One of our other studio cats, he's wanting some attention.
1: He wants some mommy attention. He wants some
0: mommy attention. He He always runs away. (laughs) Uh, so this comes from 1639.
1: That blows my mind.
0: For my initial research, I did use Ripley's, I did use History.com, and I did use Celebrate Boston to initially gather like the direction I was gonna go with this. But I dug into and they're freely available online if you want if anybody out there wants to read about them. Governor Winthrop's journals from 1639. The actual appointed governor to the colony of massachusetts in 1639 his journals are out there from 16 i think it's 1629 to 1640 wow uh, he was governor so his journals are out there in two volumes so we're going to talk about several events the first one comes from and there, i couldn't find an actual date of when it happened just that it happened in 1639
1: that's a long time ago i
0: have the actual entry from his journal that i'm going to read to you and in then in character I can. In character, <laughs> in character, in character. And then we're going to talk about what we think, you know, it means and all that stuff. So here's here's the uh, first UFO event in European recorded history of North America.
1: Ooh, I'm excited.
0: In this year, one James Everill, a sober, discreet man, and two others... "'saw a great light in the night at Muddy River. "'When it stood still, it flamed up "'and was about three yards square. "'When it ran, it was contracted into the figure of a swine. "'It ran as swift as an arrow towards Charlton, "'and so up and down for about three hours. "'They were come down in their lighter, "'which is a small boat, about a mile, "'and when it was over, they found themselves carried quite back against the tide to the place from whence they came. Diverse other credible persons saw the same light, night after night at the same
1: place. So, hear me out. Yeah. Somebody lit their pig on fire. (laughs) And somehow it also was able to fly. If pigs could fly, if you'd
0: pigs if, could fly. If
1: pigs could fly, you'd light 'em on fire.
0: If pigs could fly, they'd be the best source of light in the province. I don't know what <laughs> that province. what the fuck is a province. I don't know. I make up things. So <laughs> I thought this was pretty cool. Basically saying that James Everill Uh, who a sober, discreet man in those terms, uh, because I was looking it up, doesn't mean that he didn't drink. It just means that he was like he was known to be like a a sound dude. Clear minded. He was was clear minded. Cool guy. He wasn't
1: the town psycho.
0: Right. Him and two other dudes, they were on they were traveling down the muddy river, which is now another river that I don't remember the name of. (laughs) Uh, It's now another river. And they were going down in their boat, uh, their little bitty boat. And it was at night and they were on the way to Charlton and they were about two miles away from Charlton, and they saw this big light, and it came out of nowhere, and it had like a beam under it, it sounds like. I mean, that's just what I'm gathering from what I read, Um, and then it was traveling back and forth between them and Charlton uh, for like an hour or so, and then it just went away, and then when it went away, they found that they had been pushed back up the river because they were traveling in the down the river just watching this
1: thing. oh wow so they actually kind of went backwards according to like the way the tide was going yeah
0: it's going against the tide back up the river to the original spot where they noticed the light at first so it could be the first case of missing time
1: oh wow on top of that Hmm. so i thought
0: this was really cool I thought this was really cool, and I thought it was just a very interesting pic- a picture from 1639. And this is like, like I wanted to really bring the journals because it, it's exactly what he said. It's not someone else saying like, oh, well, it could be this. This is exactly what he recorded in his journal from 1639. Right.
1: It's a firsthand account of a pig on fire.
0: yeah that's the one crazy part is the form of the swine i don't really get
1: that gives me a very um paranoid christian vibe the fact that he was saying it was like a swine on fire because that was uh swine are typically depicted like you know they can be kind of demonic
0: yeah and that makes sense um the other studio cat willie is currently on the couch arcing to try and get to you at our table he just wants to get to you so bad
1: watch i'm gonna get up and he's gonna run away probably
0: yeah he just did he ran away <laughs> you know he went on a little meow he likes to be chased down and unfortunately we just and don't then have he'll come time right back yeah so you might be thinking to yourself well that was a short topic we've discussed it it's aliens obviously pig aliens they've come to show everybody how flaming they are
1: the new race Pegalians.
0: Pegalians. Well, we're not done. In 1644, Governor Winthrop records another event off the coast of Boston. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Would you like to hear what he says about this?
1: As long as it's in character, yes. It'll
0: be in character, but this one is a lot longer. So we'll just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride.
1: (laughs) I will enjoy it.
0: At about midnight... Three men coming in a boat to Boston saw two lights arise out of the water near the north point of the town cove in form like a man and went at a small distance to the town and so to the south point and there vanished away. They saw them about a quarter of an hour being between the town and the governor's garden. The light was seen by many A week after, arising about Castle Island and in one-fifth of an hour came to John Gallup's point. So we'll stop there for a second. What we've seen in this instance is uh, apparently at midnight, three guys that were in a boat going to Boston. They saw two lights shaped like humans rise out of the water and travel to Boston and hung out there for about 20 minutes.
1: So... Two, is... two
0: shapes of men in light. They were light, shaped like men right. that went to the coast and just hung out in the governor's garden for 20 minutes.
1: And nobody was like, bro, what up?
0: Uh, well, it was at midnight. So, assumably, most people were like, right. shut up. But then it says, like, shut up in their houses, not like, shut up. Shut on. Up. <laughs> Uh But then it says that the same thing was seen by many a week later. Uh, that And they came out about out of the water around Castle Island and in about a fifth of an hour. Uh, went to some place called John Gallup's Point. So that alone, I think, is interesting. It's two two forms of light shaped like humans rising out of the water at several instances that other people have seen, aside from these three guys in a boat.
1: It's coming across as pretty biblical to me. Like first the flaming pigs, and then these like people of light. Like it sounds like kind of religious in a weird way well i mean
0: this was 1639 and 1644 i mean at this point it was still puritan you know led so kind of makes sense that they would kind of form it that way but i mean if you think about it kind of how we think it would think about it today it kind of just sounds like energy forms coming out of the ground or the water at this case
1: i'm curious as to the depth of this river because was the ocean they were coming
0: into boston the first one the first one was muddy river but the in that event uh the the thing came out like it just came and was alongside the river and going back and forth it wasn't in the river but when the the other ones that came out of the water came out of the ocean they were going into boston
1: so that makes it even more interesting because there have been many many accounts of ufos shooting out of the ocean and i'm not sure dating back to how far well
0: 1644
1: yeah 1644 (laughs) according to us but but,
0: also we're not done
1: but also okay keep going
0: then he says a light like the moon arose out of the northeast point in boston and met the former the other lights at noddles island and they closed in on one, and then parted, and closed in, and parted diverse times, which means many. Divers means many, apparently. And Corey, I looked it up. It was very weird. And so went over the hill in the island and vanished. Sometimes they shot out flames, and sometimes sparkles. This was about eight o'clock in the evening, and was seen by many. I thought this was cool because this is saying that, Those other lights that we just talked about that came out of the the water that the two, the three men in a boat saw go hang out with the governor's garden and then went to some other island. This is saying that other people saw other lights rise out of a different point near Boston and go meet those other lights and then go break apart and come back together and break apart and back together many times, sometimes shooting out flames and sometimes shooting out sparkles and then they vanished.
1: You know what that sounds like. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible, but the there's a type of angel in the Bible, and Kyle would probably be better to maybe further explain what I'm talking about. Where angels are kind of described in that way, like where they're yeah, like, man,
0: they're like light, and then they got like flaming swords and shit.
1: Well, yeah, but the the inhuman uh, types of angels that are like balls of light. I
0: mean, all angels are balls of light. None of them are humans.
1: Well, yes, but when a lot of people think of angels, they think about, you know, a human-looking entity. They don't think about a completely different life form.
0: I guess, but I'd like to think that these were not angels. I'd like to think that they were aliens having an intergalactic fight.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying I'm seeing parallels uh, from stories I've heard and pictures I've seen from the Bible of like these crazy kind of almost mechanical, fiery angels.
0: Yeah. Yeah, those are there. <laughs> <laughs> they're there. And I think that's why it's framed this way, because, I mean, there were super puritan people. And uh, they were probably trying to put all of these things that they're seeing into things that they understood. So that's why I think it's cool if you try and look past the biblical references and take those away. And you're going to see you kind of just think like, OK, so we have balls of light and other lights formed in the form of men that are meeting and separating meeting and separating multiple times shooting out flames and sparkles and flames and sparkles and then they just vanish i think we're looking at the like the prequel to dragon ball z here <laughs> i think that's why it's pretty cool because if you look past all of the the biblical Puritany nonsense right and you get To the actual, you think about just what we're seeing. I think it's really, really cool.
1: Oh yeah, and then you remember
0: that this is in 1644. It's even cooler.
1: Yeah, people at that time and people today always are going to relate what they're seeing to what they already know. So of course, it's probably going to sound like something that they're familiar with because that's the the vocabulary they have.
0: If you think about it too, in the fact this was about 200 years before we even learned that airplanes could exist. It's pretty interesting to hear people recording things that were in the sky, flying around, meeting each other and spewing out flames.
1: Yeah, that's insane.
0: So we got to the point where those things are meeting and separating, meeting and separating, and then they vanish. And this happened at about eight o'clock. So at eight o'clock, they vanish. And and let's return. Let me get back in character. (coughs) About the same time, a voice was heard upon the water between Boston and Dorchester calling out in a most dreadful manner boy, boy, come away, come away. And it suddenly shifted from one place to another at great distance about 20 times. It was heard by diverse godly persons. And about 14 days after, the same voice in the same dreadful manner was heard by others on the other side of the town towards Noddles Island. So apparently, for several uh, weeks, people were hearing just this big dreadful voice saying boy boy come away come away <laughs> and uh they just kept hearing it and it would bounce all over the place apparently from what i'm gathering
1: and he's really working to lend credibility to this whole story he's like these dudes over here heard it and these dudes over here heard it you I guys mean, it's real it's pretty crazy
0: this actual recorded instance of we have three different situations here right we have this thing that these men saw on the side of this river as they're going down, and it's going back and forth, it just transplants them back to where they originally saw yeah, it.
1: That is super interesting because I have always found UFOs and pretty much any paranormal phenomenon interesting, but missing time—something about that is just it's especially very spooky. It's spooky, yeah.
0: And I think I think that this the second instance here where we appear to ha- see numerous or at least several. Um, light entities meeting and separating and shooting out flames and sparkles and then just disappearing i think it's very interesting i don't know what that could be uh i know that some people have said like uh for both of these instances people have said like swamp gas or something like that that's like always gas, what people say but that's about what they always say. and i think that i think that if you're gonna think that if you're gonna think that about something it fits a little bit more with the second instance of the meeting and separating with flames and then vanishing. But it doesn't really fit, right? Like to me, it just seems like this is too ongoing and and numerous people saw it and it's meeting and separating multiple times for it to be this gas thing, which I've seen videos of and it vanishes in like a second.
1: And Swampcast also doesn't yell in a uh, displeasurable voice.
0: Yeah, and usually not. I think if it does, there's other, you know, things going on, like mushrooms or acid or stuff like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That Could be, could be. Maybe they were all high.
0: I mean, they were probably drunk 24-7 in 1644, so.
1: Well, there are instances, uh, many stories, where there's speculation. These crazy outlandish stories come from people ingesting
0: Ergot, right? Right, yeah. yeah, they're
1: just basically tripping balls.
0: But Ergot poisonings rare. It, it lends even more mysteriousness to oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Ergot, ergot poisoning is rare. I mean, so it's, we see these instances and it's like, really, is everybody all the time? And if we, if like, this is spread across this, especially the one with the, I'm just going to call it a celestial battleground, especially Ooh. the ones with the celestial battleground. It's spread over like multiple weeks
1: and they're all experiencing the same thing, which numerous people isn't typical of and it's
0: not like this was written by the town crazy guy or the town weirdo or just any old guy. This was written by the governor of Massachusetts right at the time an official that was appointed by the crown to govern this place is saying like, I think this is credible enough to write down in my official journals. Which I think is crazy.
1: It lends credibility, definitely. Do we know uh, any history about that individual, how well-respected he was, or anything like that? No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. No, I could have done that, but I didn't do that.
1: When you hear accounts like this, uh, crazy accounts from the Bible, crazy accounts in general from long, long ago, what if they had our vocabulary? How would this be described If they had our vocabulary, I think we'd actually know what happened. But because they had such limited education and especially during that time in Massachusetts, they're, you know, gung ho for the Bible. So,
0: well, I think I think it's very interesting because I've heard from like fifteen hundred to like seventeen fifty. Like people just forgot how to talk. They just like forgot how to write the English language. That's why it all sounds so fucked up. (laughs) He's because like it gets better and it was better before.
1: I didn't know that. And it
0: just got terrible for like 300 years.
1: Wow. They're like, let's try to be fanciful. They
0: tried to be as fancy as possible. And it
1: was confusing. And it was terrible. (laughs) Right.
0: But so, yeah, I know. I totally agree that if they spoke a little clearer, we'd probably know a lot more about how things actually went down. But for some reason, because you can almost guarantee nobody talked like this when they were just like ordering something from the tavern. They were like, hey, sir, let me have one of those if and so much maybe be a pint of your best frothing, refreshing beverage. Maybe on so on so much. I would like to very much so be ingesting of this thing right now, please. If thou (laughs) wilt. Like they didn't talk like that. They couldn't have like who? nothing would ever get done. Take you 20 minutes to order food from a bar.
1: And also you just think about the life experiences of people back then. I mean, you lived in a tiny town. And you were bored as fuck.
0: Yeah. And I think that ends. Uh, ends. I think that lends to it is a lot, too. Is yeah. Just because like,
1: who doesn't want to hear a rumor spreading around town that they saw these crazy, sparking, fiery lights and a pig that was lit on fire? I mean, who doesn't want to hear that when they're living probably maybe not the most entertaining life back then?
0: Just take a break from, like, fighting Native Americans. Like, what would you say about a flying pig? Who, <laughs> what? Native Americans are like, ah, oh, yeah, no, we got that. It's fine.
1: Bacon in the air? Huh? <laughs>
0: bacon in the air.
1: Was that a part of it? Was there a wafting smell of bacon in the air? It's
0: not reported, but I got to say it probably.
1: Mmm, bacon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's also one other incident that I was able to find on Celebrate Boston about um, a USO, a, an unidentified submerged object, circling several boats in the port of Boston. But I couldn't confirm that with the journals. Uh, They say they found it in the journals, but I scoured these bad boys and I couldn't find any mention of it. So I don't want to talk about it too much. But I thought that it was very interesting to think about something like a big whale or some shit, like circling uh, boats in harbor and like nobody knows what it is.
1: Huh. Interesting. I do find it pretty believable that there could be intelligent life in our ocean on this earth because the aliens are here. It's so deep. They're we can't, us. we could be, could be there's from They're then until us. now, there has been many accounts of USOs. And I think just as it's just as probable as aliens out there somewhere in the universe, because we know so little about our oceans. And honestly, I find the ocean pretty spoopy, creepy. It gives me like the heber
0: Yeah, as someone who hates open water, I agree.
1: Yeah, like crazy people who jump off boats in the middle of the ocean. No, (laughs) thanks. Excuse me, no, absolutely not.
0: No, thank you. But that's all I got. I thought that was an interesting thing to talk about, and we've spent about 25 minutes talking about it. So
1: I loved the fact that there was a firsthand account from that long ago.
0: I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, very cool. I've added printed versions of these journals to my Amazon wish list, and hopefully they will be on my shelf soon. Thank you for listening to The Middle of Nowhere. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at In a Dark Field. If you like the show, please tell a friend. Copyright 2020 Nowhere Audio.